Peace and many blessings. I'm very grateful to be given the opportunity this evening um, to share the word of God with you. I'm grateful to the leadership of this church for giving me such an opportunity. Um, this evening, I'm sharing on the topic, Inheriting the Kingdom. The Inheriting the Kingdom of God. Amen. Shall we have a word of prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O God, for the opportunity to hear your word. We pray, Father, that you shall grant me utterance. We pray, Father, shall give me clarity of the word in the mighty name of Jesus. And speak as I ought to, as the very oracles of yours. We pray, O God, that, Lord, grant my listeners understanding in Jesus' name. So that, Lord, as we live, we may not just be hearers, but doers as well. In Jesus' name, do we pray thanksgiving. Amen. So as I said, um, the topic is inheriting the kingdom. Inheriting the kingdom. And um, I just want to um, explain what it means to inherit and what the kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, is. To inherit um, is from the Greek word kleronomio, which means to obtain, to possess, and to be an heir. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven means the rulership of God. It means the territory ruled by God. And by, in other words, God ruling from heaven over all his creation. Science, scientists are now saying there is what a multiverse, not a universe, whichever. But for God's creation, whether universe or multiverse, all that God has created, he ruling over them. As we read through the scriptures, the Bible tells us that there are three ways in which we can interact or relate with the kingdom of God. One is to enter into the kingdom of God. The second is to see, to experience, to discern the kingdom of God. And the third is to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, to enter the kingdom of God means to be in the kingdom of God. In John chapter 3 verse 5, um, Jesus, um, having a conversation with Nicodemus, said, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So, the first step for us to enter into the kingdom of God is for us to be born again. To be born again. To be born of the water, and to, which is the word of God, and the Spirit. That is the first step. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, says that, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Making us to know that this righteousness Jesus was talking about wasn't the righteousness that is which originates from us, but the righteousness which is of God. In Second Corinthians 5 verse 21, he says that, For God has made him who knew no sin to be sin that we may become the righteousness of God in him, that is Jesus Christ. So, unless we have that, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God, we can in no wise be part of the kingdom. We can in no wise enter, be in the kingdom of God. We can in no wise be called children of God. Amen. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, it says that, God who had delivered us from the power of darkness... And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, which is the kingdom of God. So, before, when we were in the world, in, the, in, in darkness, 
But now, because of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, our faith in Him through grace, and we receiving um, the new birth, we become part of the kingdom of God. We are now in the kingdom of God. We've now entered the kingdom of God. And um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, it says that, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without Christ, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen. So this is one of the ways in which we can interact, relate with the kingdom of God. So as Christians who are born again, as people who are born again, we've entered. We are, we are in the kingdom of God. The second way which we can interact with the kingdom of God is to see which the Bible uses in John chapter 3, um, 3 verse 3. Which the sea means to experience, to discern, to discern. Okay, not just the literal looking, glaring, staring at it, but to experience it, to perceive the rulership of God, to perceive God's rulership over all his creation, to participate in it, not just seeing with our eyes. In John 3 verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, that's Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In Matthew 13, verses 13, 15, and 16, and I read, Therefore speak I to them in parables. So Jesus Christ had um, spoken to the Pharisees in, in parables, and uh, about the parable of the sower. So he was now with his disciples, and he said, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not, hearing, hear not, neither do they understand. For this people's heart is worse gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, I read in the Amplified, Amplified Version, But the natural, that's the non-spiritual man, does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts, teachings, and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are fully, meaningless nonsense to him. He is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and become better acquainted with them, because they are spiritually discerned, estimated, and appreciated. So, the natural man cannot actually appreciate, cannot discern spiritual things. But, for us who are born again, we have that ability, we have that right. God has given us that capacity to be able to discern and appreciate things that are spiritual. However, someone can be born again, and by virtue of the fact that this person still remains carnal, this person is not growing in, in Christ, this person can still not appreciate the things of the Spirit. In First Corinthians chapter 3, 1-3, it reads, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as, as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. 
I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and weak as men? So this makes us to know that there are people in the kingdom who are supposed to understand spiritual things, but however, they, are, they still remain carnal, still living according to the flesh, not being able to grow unto maturity. The Bible makes us to know in Romans 8 verse 14 that as many that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So, and if we are born again and we are not being led by the Spirit and being spiritual, not being spiritually minded but carnally minded, we will not be able to discern the things of the kingdom. We will not be able to appreciate the fact that divine healing belongs to you. You will not be able to appreciate the fact that God wishes above all things that you should prosper and be in good health. Even as thy soul prospereth. You will not think that, does God want to heal me? But it is stated in his word that he wants to heal you. Because you are refusing to grow, you are still being carnal, you will say that the gifts of the Spirit are no more. They have ceased. Their error is no more. All because you are not growing in the things of the Spirit. Amen. And the third aspect which God wants us to relate with the kingdom is to inherit it. Which I said in my introduction is to obtain, is to um, possess, and to be an heir. And as we read through the scriptures, the Bible makes us to know that there is an inheritance for God's children or for the sons of God. In Acts chapter 20 verse 32 when Paul was addressing the elders in Ephesus, he said, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, Paul was um, giving his account of his conversion and his encounter with Jesus Christ unto King Agrippa. And he said, so this was Jesus speaking to Paul, in Paul's narration, that to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me, that is Jesus. But this makes us to know that as saints of God, as sons of God, we have an inheritance in God. Amen. We have an inheritance in God. And also, this inheritance, we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus because we are children of God. Not because of what we are, not because of the money that we have, not because of the titles, but because we are sons and daughters of God. Amen. In Romans 18, 8 verse 16 and 17, it reads, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Amen. So this scripture is making us know that, yes, we have an inheritance in God. We also are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. 
And the other point I want to make is that the Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance that we are looking forward to. In Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14, I read the verse 13 in King James and verse 14 in Amplified. It says that, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of faith, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14. The Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge, and foretaste, the down payment of our heritage in anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it to the praise of His glory. Amen. So, we see that the Holy Spirit plays a greater role, one, in we entering the kingdom, two, he plays another role in us seeing, perceiving, discerning the things of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit plays also another role in us inheriting the kingdom. We also see that the Word of God plays a role in us entering the kingdom, in us also seeing, perceiving the kingdom, and for us to also inherit the kingdom. So we cannot say that we want to inherit the kingdom of God without having an intimate relationship with God through His Word and through His Spirit. We cannot say that we want to inherit the future inheritance which we have, God has promised us of, if we say that the Holy Spirit is no more. If we say that the Holy Spirit and His gifts are no more, we, we are deceiving ourselves. Amen. And we, the, we can also have a foretaste of this inheritance of ours through the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I read in Ephesians chapter 1, 14a, we say that the Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. The first fruits, the pledge, and foretaste, the down payment of our, our, of our heritage. Making us to know that, as we know, one of the, the um, gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gifts, the gifts of healings. And Bible, God promises us of eternal life. Eternal life. And, um, where, and also, when we are raptured and we are with God wherever He is, Bible promises us that there shall be no diseases among us. And as a foretaste of that time where we will have no sickness, no disease, no infirmity among us, He's given us the Spirit and His gift to enable us to have a foretaste of that inheritance. Amen. Amen. And to make us know the things of the kingdom. To give us an inheritance. Amen. Bible makes us to know in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that according as His divine power has given unto us all things, all things that pertain unto life, and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Bible makes us that all things that pertains to life, to our spiritual life, to our natural life, physical life, Bible is making us to know that God says he's given us all things that pertains to this life and unto godliness. God says he's given them unto us. But we have a role to play. It's through the knowledge of him that has called us. So if you become lazy Christians, 
and we do not grow in the knowledge of, of God, the knowledge of our Lord, then we will not be able to have full possession whilst on earth of the things that He's given unto us pertaining to this life and unto our godly living. Amen. You will die and go to heaven and God will tell you that this was in my word and you did not read it. I made this available unto you and you kept, you folded your arms, you kept the Bible under your shelf, under your pillow, in your bedroom and you did not um, notice it. You did not get knowledge in order for you to experience this thing. Amen. We can't be lazy Christians and expect to inherit our inheritance, to possess that which God has um, given unto us. Amen. Some of the things, I've mentioned them, but God wants us to inherit the kingdom. God wants us to inherit his kingdom. God wants us in power, in authority, eternal life, salvation. God wants us to inherit the kingdom. It is his will, it is his pleasure for us to inherit it. However, we should possess certain characteristics um, that will enable us to inherit his kingdom. Amen. The first is humility. The first characteristic that we should possess is humility or being poor in spirit. Matthew 5 verse 3 says that, Blessed are the poor in spirit in King James, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In the message, it reads that you are blessed. You are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and He rules. Amen. So making us know that where there is less of us and more of God, when we decrease and God increases in us, the kingdom is our inheritance. Amen. In Amplified, it reads, Blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. The humble, who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where we think and know that without God, we are nothing. We know that if God is not with us, we, we are nothing. We cannot be without God. I've, I've, I've seen people, I, 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 am, I work in the hospital, and I've seen people come and die. The rich, the great, they come and die. I've seen people die of cancer. I've seen people die of respiratory diseases, serious illnesses. But I see that if God is not with you, when you seek for medical assistance, you can't still make it. You can't still make it. Bible makes us to know that those, the watchers watch in vain and the builders build but in vain if God is not with them. So making us know that as we humble ourselves before God, as we come to that realization that it is not by my own power, it's not by my own might, but whoever I am and whatever I am is because of God. If God's presence is not with me, whatever I do is in vain. Whatever my achievements may be, they are in vain. If I want to do something, God is not with me. That's it. And this is a characteristic 
of those that will inherit the kingdom. They know that they are nothing without God. They are insignificant without God. They know that whatever they do is in vain. It's vanity. It's vainless without God. Amen. The second characteristic is being righteous and being persecuted for righteousness. So you are righteous and do the things that are right before God. In Matthew 5 verse 10, the Bible says that, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Making us, as um, we heard on Sunday, about the righteous man, the security of the nation, the righteous, the security of our nation. Making us know that being righteous before God is very important, is very significant, and um, very relevant to God. That we cannot say that we are born again and we do otherwise. The persecution may not be like what uh, the apostles of old had, but in other small ways, what people say about you. Oh, this is the um, sister, uh, this is the Holy Mary, this is what Father, Father Joseph, and all those things. Saying, mocking you at the workplace, wanting you to add some zeros to it, to some figures, and for you to get a share of it, but you still say that this thing is against what I know to be right before God. And you still resist evil and stand right before God. Amen. It may be in several ways. Amen. People may even put a stigma at you when at workplace. Maybe you come there and people are trying to separate themselves from you, not wanting to mingle with you because you stand for the truth. You stand for righteousness and you are upright. They can't even stand your face. Amen. Some may even insult you. Some may even be your boss who may actually say certain things that are insulting, that are trying to demoralize you. But Bible makes us to know that as you are being persecuted for righteousness sake, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Can we read uh, Matthew chapter 25 from verse 31 to 40? And read, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, as in the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we, saw we thee unhungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it 
unto one of the least of these my brethren. Ye have done it unto me. Amen. So the third characteristic of this, of those who shall inherit the kingdom, is that they show love and kindness to those who cannot repay them, to the poor, to the sick, to those who are in prison, those who cannot repay them, those who cannot repay. They show love and kindness to them. Amen. The fourth characteristic is those that bear the fruits of the Spirit. Those that bear the fruits of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, it says that, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists, shall inherit the kingdom of God. In Galatians 5, I want to read from verse 19 to 23. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Amen. Amen. So if those that do not bear the fruit of the Spirit shall not inherit the kingdom of God, then I believe that if you bear the fruit of the Spirit, you will inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. This we, we dealt in, we dealt with the fruit of the Spirit in Sunday school. Amen. The fifth characteristic of those who will inherit the kingdom of God are those that do the will of God. Those that do the will of God. The Bible in Matthew seven twenty one to 23 says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So even though the Bible is using enter here, it's speaking about inheriting the kingdom, because this concerns the end time. Amen. This concerns the end time. So end time entering the kingdom is you are inheriting the kingdom. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And he say, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Amen. So, as we do the will of God, we shall inherit the kingdom of God. And we know that if we should dwell, live in sin, the kingdom of God is not our portion. But when we seek to do the will of God, Jesus is telling us and assuring us that the kingdom of God is for us. It's our inheritance. Amen. 
The sixth characteristic, which sometimes we, we, I think we downplay, is faith. And no, not an ordinary faith, but great faith. Amen. Um, I want us to read Luke chapter 28 and verse 29b. It says that, If then God so clothes the grass, which is, to, is, which is today in, in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Verse 29b. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. So this is uh, the verse, um, verses before our theme scripture for the year. Amen. Making us know that God does not want us to have little faith. God does not want to ha- us to have little faith. Because when you have little faith, you shall be doubtful. When people are persecuting you for your righteous standing, when you are praying to God for your healing, what happens is that you begin to be doubtful. The Bible makes us to know that we should not be doubtful. We should not waver even when we are asking God for something. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The thing too is that little faith is recognized by Jesus as no faith. In Matthew 17, verse 17, Jesus said, said then so Jesus Christ with four of his disciples, they had gone to two of his disciples, they had gone onto the mount for transfiguration. They had come down. A man had brought his son who had an illness to his, um, the remaining of his disciples and they couldn't cast out the demon. And the, Jesus comes and they tell him and he says, then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Then in verse 20, when he was with his disciples, in the Amplified Version, he says, He said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. The littleness of your faith. In the verse 17, he said that they were faithless. In verse 20, he says, because of your lit- the littleness of your faith. The littleness of your faith. Meaning that in NIV, NIV also says that he replied, Because you have so little faith. So little faith. Making us know that little faith is not what God needs to make the business, to, for us to do business. It's not little faith. We need great faith to be able to do the business. Amen. Amen. Little faith brings anxiety, brings fear. In Matthew 8 verse 26, And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. That is little faith. In Matthew 14, verse 31. Matthew 14, verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. This was Simon Peter. He said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So when we have little faith, we will fear. When we have little faith, we will doubt. Amen. When we have little faith, 
then you see that that's when you'll be anxious amidst calamity, problems, troubles, then you see that you begin to doubt even God's promises. What God has told you, you begin to doubt. Amen. And that's not what we need. Most of us are dealing with little faith. Most of us are dealing with little faith. Most of us are dealing with little faith. And that is not what God requires of us. That is not what God requires of us. In the Amplified actually puts, some of us will say, but the Bible says that if you have faith as small as the master seed. But I realize that it's only in the NIV which says as small as the master seed. In the Amplified, or we can put King James up, uh, Matthew 17 verse 20. Matthew 17 verse 20. It says that if ye have faith as a grain of master seed. Jesus did not say as small as a master seed. So that you can say, oh, God even said, Jesus said, okay, me will fail, could fail be, I met me that. No. He said, as a grain of master, master seed. The master seed, when it's sown, becomes a great tree. So he's not talking about the quantity. Jesus actually rebuked people for having little faith. He rebuked people for having little faith. So I hope that from today, we will not be trying to um, please, trying to. Um, Say, give excuses for our little, the little faith that we have. When we begin to see some form of anxiety, doubt, fear in your life, amidst circumstances, challenges, know that you are dealing with a little faith. And that's not what God requires of you. Amen. In James chapter 1, 5 and 8, it says that, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men, liberally, and abraded not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, tossed and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You are praying to God. Sometimes the, the, you've not gotten your healing most likely because you are dealing with little faith. You are doubting, will God, does God want to heal me? Will God even protect me amidst this COVID-19? Will God, you are doubting, you are anxious, you are afraid, you are fearful. But that's not what God wants you to deal with. He wants you to deal with a great faith. Amen. The great faith persists and produces fruits and results. Can we read Luke 18, 1 to 8? It reads, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. Avenge me, God, avenge me of this sickness. God, avenge me. For this business that I've been doing and it's not being successful. God, help me. And that's what we've been praying always. Yet, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she worry me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust, unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he Bear long with them. Though he bear long with them. Though he bear long with them. 
And he spake, and I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And I don't, Jesus is not talking about little, shall he even have little faith? Faith on the earth. Shall he find faith on the earth? Amen. And as we've established, Jesus is not, he, he rebuked little faith. He rebuked little faith. Amen. So, this woman had faith. She will persist. That's, that, that's a great faith. You will persist. Persist. Even you are praying, God, you are, it looks like God is not hearing. It looks like you are not getting answers. But you know what the God's word says concerning healing. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on healing because of our, our current situation. Concerning divine health. He says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thou so prosperous. It's not anything, it's every, every kind of disease. It, don't, don't ask yourself, is God willing to heal me? He's willing. When the leper asked him that, if you are willing, he said, I'm willing. He's willing to heal you. It may be like the Syro-Phoenician woman whose daughter had an issue, and he said that, oh, go, don't give the bread of the children to dogs. And she said, oh, even the crumbs which fall, the dogs will eat. And Jesus said, oh, I've not, it's great is your faith. So there may be time it looks like God wants you to persist. It's not that Obana, you, you just come and come pick it and just go your healing. But you have to persist. Bible says that Hebrews 11 verse 6 For without faith it is impossible to please God. For whosoever comes to God must believe one, that he is two. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And sometimes that element is taken away. Diligence. Diligence in seeking God. That your faith should not waver. There are times that you'll be praying, you take a long time, but continue. Actually, I hear that Elijah actually prayed for several hours before he actually he saw the face of cloud forming for it to rain. There are times that we have to pray, we have to persist for us to see the breakthrough that we are expecting based on the word of God. We know healing is for us. Amen. And then Matthew 8 verse 10, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them, That followed, that followed. verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel, talking about the centurion. And um, in Luke 12 verse 32, as a roundup, we, are, we read that, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I just don't, I don't see it as I meditate, I meditate on this scripture. This is how I also understand it. That have faith, preferably great faith in God, little flock. Rather than, if I don't have to fear, what do I have to do? Then I have to have faith, little flock. And I, as I, Hebrews 11 verse 6 means that with faith, I can please God. So therefore, it has pleased God. It has pleased your father for you to receive or to inherit the kingdom as we've established that we are the sons of God. And God, Jesus Christ in his time, healed several diseases. He healed people who had fever, the uh, mother-in-law of Peter, paralysis, those who had people who were paralyzed, the blind, he healed crippled, he healed the lepers, he healed a lunatic. He healed someone who had menorrhagia. She was bleeding for several years. And one of the things which is common in our time is what? It's fibroids, possibly. So 
Jesus can heal you of fibroids. Okay? He raised the dead. The Bible makes us know he healed all manner of diseases. And in conclusion, I want to conclude with Luke 1 verse 37 in the Amplified Version. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. And God has sent forth his word unto us that he wants to heal us. He wants eternal life for us. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We pray, the Lord, as you've sown your word, we pray, the Lord, may it grow and bear forth fruits that others may also enjoy and eat from it in the mighty name of Jesus. So that people will see this good work and give glory unto you. In Jesus' name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.